Welcome back to episode 62 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent in which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free where I get my overall opinion on the series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Full Metal Panic. Released in 2002 by Studio Gonzo, it has 24 episodes and comes in both sub and dub. I watched the series in sub. The story follows a three-member unit from Mithril, an anti-terrorist organization whose new mission is protecting a potential kidnapping target named Kana Chidori. Kana is a whispered candidate which pretty much makes her the intersect from Chuck with telepathic capabilities. Sergeant Sosuke Sagara will be the closest to Chidori, having to transfer into her school. Sosuke's never attended regular school and made me laugh. He packs his bag with textbooks and an SMG. He brings smoke bombs and all sorts of other weapons to school, yet no one seems overly concerned. If a new quiet kid brought guns to school nowadays, SWAT would be all over that. Sosuke's a lovable moron. He's undercover but announces being a sergeant to his entire class. He obviously doesn't do well keeping a low profile, so I figured the hardest part of the mission would be not letting Chidori discover why Sosuke is so interested in her, but she noticed him keeping tabs on her right away. My favorite part of this entire series is when she sees them on the same train and gets off at the last moment. I was trying to get my boy Blase to watch Full Metal Panic and use this scene to sell it. I told him how hilarious it was watching Sosuke try to explain himself after jumping out the window of a moving train, rolling across the ground and slamming into a bench. His excuses all of a sudden having the urge to exit at that terminal, it had nothing to do with Kana, it was simply a coincidence. How dense can one man be? Nothing about that would fool a girl into believing he wasn't a stalker. What Sosuke lacks in brains, he makes up for in brawn. He snuck off the plane during the hijacking and contacted his people, worked his way from a taser to a pistol by landing a sick flying knee, and performed a double stealth takedown to rescue Kana from getting a needle. He evaded gunfire, stole a truck, maneuvered around the base without getting hit by a single red laser. He destroys two enemy bots in an AS model he's unfamiliar with, takes down three tanks with one hand occupied protecting Kana, and shoots an oncoming grenade midair. The man deserves a medal, but the most impressive part was accomplishing all this with Kana chirping in his ear. They're under fire and she's complaining about how ill-fitting her clothes are. Sosuke throws her down to avoid getting shot and she calls him a pervert. I personally would have left Kana to die and failed the mission. Her annoying comments made every step more difficult than it needed to be, and it wasn't a one-time thing. She lost Sosuke's advantage when switching hostages at the school by playing hero instead of following the instructions of military professionals, leading to Sosuke blown away by an RPG and her recapture. When it came to a relationship between Kana and Sosuke, there were many issues. With how early the plane hijacking took place after them meeting, I found it funny Kana felt important enough to use herself as motivation for Sosuke to channel emotion into his new mech abilities. And the fight at the airbase was a life or death situation, emotions run high, but Kana felt pretty hard for someone she thought was a panty thief a few days prior. Sosuke is supposed to leave after that mission and Kana appears torn up about it, but when he ends up sticking around, she goes back to treating him like garbage. Her feelings were really inconsistent. At school she can't stand him, but when her phone is tapped she admits to finding him interesting. Then she gets jealous when he had to fake date another girl and was angry when he'd cancel a study session for a mission. After witnessing what he does firsthand, you think she'd give him a break and be more understanding. The most egregious betrayal is when Kana got in an AS with another man. Sosuke is doing something nice for his one civilian friend and she's trying to prevent them from winning the competition. Everything had to be about Kana. She complained about going on that trip which she agreed to and wasn't coming off as a good person. 
Sosuke asked her out on an island date and for the brief moment she wasn't screaming, it was pleasant. Then plans change and she has a meltdown when confined to the submarine instead of going to the beach. Kana needs to learn to look on the bright side. For her first date, this was awesome. A plane ride with parachuting, followed by scuba diving to underwater sightsee, ending with a party complete with karaoke and bingo? That's a hell of a time. I like Weber, he's the carefree comic relief. I had hope for him, but he's just as dense as Sosuke. When Gum was thrown on the mech, I was for sure Weber knew Garn was onto him, but he was just insulted a grown man would litter. Weber's a laugh, but he needs to chill. The way he looked at Chidori's photo during their mission briefing was creepy, and he's just asking for a sexual harassment complaint at work. He told Mao, I'll make you claw at my back like crazy someday. Mao is a sergeant major and leader of the squad assigned to protect Chidori. I really love this trio from living in the small apartment together to the strength of their bond. Mao was not happy or quiet when Sosuke and Weber got left behind at the airbase. She low-key loves her two idiots. It was fun seeing how they met. Weber was an even bigger creep back then. And during that time, he claims not to be proficient with a rifle. So I was like, look what progression can be made in a year, seeing as he does all the sharpshooting now. But it turned out he was just hiding his skills. Weber is the definition of work smarter, not harder. In the cheesiest way, he befriends Kana so it'll be easier to keep an eye on her. And this was a dope scene because you get to see everyone switch roles. Weber is finally out of the mech and like I said, his approach is totally smooth compared to Sosuke. And Mao was a riot controlling the M9. She bumps into a tree and later walks into an overhead sign on the highway. It paints the picture she isn't as good when it comes to maneuvering the big bots. Tessa's a whispered like Kana and captain of the submarine. Thinking she's useless when not in charge of the sub was heartbreaking. So when her and Mao faced off in the practice match, it was awesome to see Tessa surprised with what she could do. She won by emptying the clip and blind firing on Mao, but I'm with Weber a bet's a bet and we need to see Mao do that naked lap around the base. As for a relationship, Tessa has a crush on Sosuke. When they worked together in preparation for her mock battle, I think Sosuke fell for her a little bit too. Surveying the environment and formulating a plan to beat a better operator is the stuff I'd imagine gets his engine going. And Sosuke trying to slide away while Tessa pushed up on him further was cute as hell. She clearly values the time they spent together. She keeps a photo of them on the beach next to secret military documents in her safe. Tessa's the head of operations but is still considerate of human life. She only authorized a missile strike for midnight during the weekend to avoid casualties and wouldn't let Sosuke execute Takuma when the A-21 was hunting them. But she did give the order to not let him escape. Sosuke tossed him on the apartment floor and dropped an elbow on him. I personally think Takuma should have been killed. It would have saved them a lot of trouble. He wouldn't have activated the behemoth and that entire headache could have been avoided. The behemoth's head-to-shoulder proportions were ridiculous and it's so big Mao's AS was crushing its hand like a bug. The battle was like a video game boss fight. A giant monster destroys the city as the player avoids it in a small vehicle, turning the corner right before getting blasted. Then you shoot at the designated weak spots to slow it down and if you think I wasn't dying with laughter that the behemoth was destroyed by a crotch shot, you'd be wrong. Now we get to our villain Garin. He's a sleazy looking goon who refused to die. I didn't like anyone in the assassination unit sent after him and I love nothing more than seeing cocky jerks humbled, but I was shocked how badly they got demolished, like it wasn't even close. I love Garin's plan to take over the submarine by getting captured and flipping the crew to his side, but he put hands on my girl Tessa. Using the back of her head as a footrest was straight disrespect and I was ready for him to die. The final fight was dope, the Venom AS chainsaw knife was deadly and Garin's soccer kicking a robot head was awesome. But his best moment, blink and you'll miss it, is shooting someone in the ass while escaping. Sosuke tossing Garin off the surface sub was cool, but he's probably not even dead. 
Most likely, he's what's caught on the fishing line during the ending scene. The majority of my comments were positive aside from Kana, but my initial impression was a long list of nitpicks. The first few minutes have a military vehicle flipped over and destroyed by a rocket. The driver's killed, but the disc he's holding is undamaged with not even a scratch on the case. How did that not fly out of his hand on impact? Then I was confused because he had one hand on the wheel and the other was being bitten by the female passenger, so how did it even get in his hand? Then I got fixated on how that lady was flung from the wreck relatively unharmed, and a helicopter fires over a hundred rounds at her but she's not hit by a single bullet. I was like none of this makes any sense, then a giant invisible mech comes out of the forest to take down the helicopter with a throwing knife. This is where something interesting happened. Most often I would have said this is bullshit and been completely taken out of the story, but instead I was like, oh, realism is just completely out of the window for this show. It was nice to establish this early because I could just enjoy the wild battles and not think too much about it. I'm not usually a fan of mecha anime, but having them be a secondary form of combat was enjoyable. And I like them being deployed for the dumbest means of surveillance. They have a giant invisible machine that must cost a fortune, out in the street to follow one high school student. For 2002, this series had some amazing animation and camera work, especially when it came to the submarine. Whether it was cruising around or opening a firing tube, the shots looked really clean. Another great visual is the dagger dropping from the mech's mouth with the enemy reflected on the falling blade before being caught. It's stuff like that that really gets me invested in a show. But with the good comes the bad. When the plane is taken over and made to change course, it turns on a dime, but that's not how aircraft work. Another is when Sosuke joins Team Aragon and their ASs are parachuting out of the cargo plane. It looked awful. One that really stood out is Sosuke telling Kana to run to the beach while he stays behind a protector. During her rant about how he's not cool, it cut to Sosuke's shocked face four times while she continued yelling. But it was the same shot used over and over. It looked ridiculous. Nitpicks. When Sosuke mentions drinking water out of a condom in the jungle, my first thought was gross, and my second was I hope it wasn't lubed. Next is you're telling me Sosuke, a trained operative, let the panty thief on Kana's balcony see his face, then engaged in a full-blown conversation just asking to be caught. I found it hard to believe none of the students find it odd Sosuke misses classes while on missions, or notice when he appeared on the baseball field after exiting an invisible helicopter. The crew utilized binoculars, listening devices, and even sat on a bench pretending to read a newspaper when spying, which I didn't understand because they have stealth camouflage. Sosuke came across a beat-up Weber in the woods after his battle at the airbase. In the next scene, he's pushing him in a wheelbarrow. Where did he find that? They're in the middle of nowhere. Shortly after they're surrounded and a random enemy soldier is in a tree, I couldn't think of a tactical reason for it and was happy he got shot down fairly quickly. Weber blocked Sosuke hard when it looked like he and Connor were going to kiss in the rain. That's a heavy violation of the bro code. Police in most anime are stupid, but these ones are extra special. They call for national defense backup knowing an AS is beyond their capabilities. Then Mao stands there doing nothing and the police open fire with pea shooters. Why attack a docile target when they knew it wouldn't do any damage? In typical anime fashion, Takuma is only grazed by a bullet before getting in the behemoth. It's never a clean hit. Tessa attempts to enter the M9 while training for her practice match. They have it on all fours assuming the position. It looked very inappropriate. Then she's upright and the mech sinks at the shoreline. It wouldn't be submerged in water that shallow. The nuclear warhead in Garen's assassination episode is tossed around willy-nilly by damn near everyone who handled it. If those clowns didn't prove themselves to be stupid enough, they argue with Sosuke the entire time asking why he's so familiar with the terrain. I was like, are you kidding me? The whole reason he's there and it's been vocalized is because he's knowledgeable about that land. 
Sosuke's old companion Scarface died being opposition was fine, but they could have done more with his character. I didn't feel any bond between them, so his death was hollow to me. Why wasn't the Venom AS decommissioned while on the submarine? If they took it apart, Garn would need another way to escape. Quote of the series comes from Tessa, who is usually chill and composed, getting frustrated with Mal messing up her quarters. People may think that I drink and smoke like a cheap bar girl. I mean, damn, way to attack Mal's lifestyle. Best Girl Waifu and Harem Kana is obviously set up to be the main love interest. She's a beautiful girl even if I'm not sure about the blue hair and brown eyes, but she's way too obnoxious. Best girl is Tessa. She's adorable and I love how she plays with her hair while in thought. She trolled the shit out of Kana acting like her story of being Sosuke's captain was a cover for being his girlfriend. It both pushed Kana away and pissed her off. Tessa's a gangster, she straight up told Kana to her face I love Sosuke so may the best girl win and make no mistake, Tessa is best girl. She's also waifu material and welcome to the harem along with Mao. Final thoughts. Full Metal Panic was a solid series. It had some dumb lovable characters, the action was good enough to keep me engaged, and the buffer episodes never seemed out of place. The series took reasonable time to carry from one main story to the next. I would definitely recommend you give Full Metal Panic a watch. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.